Hello and welcome to the Generation Gap show here for Radio Verulam. I'm Clive Glover and this time my guest is um, millennial and becoming regular guest now, Honor Morrison. Hello, yeah. Honor. How are you? Hi, Clive. I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine too. Thank you very much. So what we're going to talk about today is, is perhaps a little strange, but let's see how we get on. Um, I want to talk about a question of dogs, in particular, how clever they are, because it seems to me that all these people developing things like artificial intelligence, computers and so on, keep drawing an analogy. And the analogy they sort of have seen quite often is basically they say, well, you know, obviously things are improving and we're getting better and better all the time. We've now reached a stage where um, the uh, best AI systems are equivalent to something like a um, teenage dog, so a like a two-year-old dog, in intelligence. Now, obviously, just the word intelligence is itself a, a sort of difficult thing to um, explain, but um, the idea is that a computer, I suppose, will be able to do something similar to what a dog can do, but probably only in very limited terms. So perhaps we'll explore that. So now you, of course, are a dog owner or you have a dog living with you in your house, whatever the, the correct term is, um, and perhaps you can tell me about him. I understand he's called Max. Yes, I'm a very proud dog owner of our Max, who's um, a working Cocker Spaniel. We've had him for just under 10 years. So he's a rescue dog. We got him from the Blue Cross uh, at about 10 months old. And yeah, he's, he's weird. Is Having him been around for so long, he really is a part of the family. And, and yeah, he's just... If, if anyone is umming and ahhing over getting a dog, I would 100% recommend Okay, so um, now you've said several interesting things there. You said obviously he's very much part of the family, and I'm sure that's how you and um, the rest of your family all think about him. The question I'd like to ask is, do you think he thinks the same? Obviously, he must be aware that he is not quite the same as you, but obviously he lives with you and you all play with him and you're all friendly with him. You feed him and look after him. So presumably he must have a similar sort of feeling about you. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having come from the background that he came from, where he was rehomed, he very quickly latched on to my mum, who we call Top Dog. And I think that applies for both the children and the dog. Um, and he latched on to her. So whenever she would leave or whatever, he'd actually be quite distressed and whine and bark. And I think that I think everything is I think dogs are very smell orientated and I think we have a smell and he knows our smell and we love him and we care for him and dogs are fundamentally pack animals and we've shown him all the signs of being part of his pack we turn up we leave him but we turn up over and over again you know we like I said we feed him we've got a bed he can trust us I mean he's very trusting of us and I think it is, it, they totally see you as their family. Like Max can spot you from across a park. If you whistle, he knows your whistle and he'll come back. The fact he is so attachment based means he'll never really run away. He he gets locked outside our house quite often um, because we'll open the door to put the bins out and he'll come out and follow you. You haven't realised he's come out and you'll shut the front door. And he just sits at the front door and barks until you let him back in. So he's definitely attached to the family. And is he also protective, presumably, if he thinks that someone is perhaps, you know, um, perhaps you're in danger or some, of some kind, or he perceives that maybe there's a, there's a problem? Does he rush over and sort of bark at the other person or whatever? I mean, if you ever meet Max, he is the least aggressive dog going. Um, and he's not very territorial. And I think if 
if anyone shows him a slight bit of aggression towards him, he's immediately on his back like, don't help me. But um, he'll bark at the front door. And if actually, if my brother decides to, you know, jump on me and for whatever reason, the dog will get involved. And I don't know that's whether he's like, I'm playing or what are you doing? Are you going to hurt each other kind of vibes? But I think... I don't know. He's a bit of a coward. So whether he'd actually protect us if something went really wrong, I'm not so confident. Okay, but he'd probably bark like mad and that would probably be enough for a lot of people to be a bit worried if they were trying to break in the house or something like that. Yeah, for such a... He's not a timid dog, but for such a um, feeble dog, shall we say, he's got quite a a big bark. So, yeah. And is he he quite big physically? I'm not quite sure. I've seen a picture of his face, but not necessarily realised how big he is. Yeah, so he's... I'd, I'd call him a medium-sized dog. So, like I said, he's a working cocker spaniel. Which so he kind of I'm five for eight, and he comes to like my knee, I'd say. But he, I can pick him up. I can carry him. I mean, he's quite heavy, but he's he can sit on my lap, just. <laughs> right. So now the question is, um, how intelligent is he? Do you think now? There's no obvious answer to that, also no definitive answer. But I suppose you could say, are there things that you've um, seen him do which you suddenly think, wow, how's he done that, or how's he remembered this, or something? You know, perhaps you've gone to somebody's house, obviously <laughs> not in the last year or so, um, and um, he's been there before, and he remembers something particular, like where the food is, or you know how to get out the door, <laughs> or something like that. I mean, is that is that sort of thing? That, can you remember any particular instances, perhaps, where you think something he did was, my goodness, that's really clever? I don't know. He interchanges so much from us looking at him and going, oh, my God, you're so thick, to, oh, that's quite impressive. Um, I used to do agility with him, and he loved that. And, you know, he remembers all the commands for, well, for the agility course. He would He remembers places. So if we drive somewhere, like... Uh, go and visit family or a familiar walk. He starts whining in the back of the car because he gets excited and he knows where he is. Um, my grandparents' house, they used to have a dog and he runs in the house and the dog recently died um, pre-COVID. And, um, you know, when we took him to the house, he'd be like, where, where's the dog? Where's where's he gone? So there's, there's bits of that. They have like, um, I think they do have a memory. And again, I think it's all very linked to smell. Um, but then he does other things and you're like, you're utterly stupid. Like you try and throw him a treat to catch and he can't catch anything for love or money. Um, <laughs> and you'll hear the telly make a noise and he'll run to the front door as if there's someone there. And you're just like, oh, come on, Max. But I think on the whole, I think there's a very large scale of of clever dogs. Poodles are meant to be the cleverest. And I'm not quite sure what's on the other end. But I think the bigger the dog, the smaller the brain. Um well, relatively so, speaking, I suppose, to their body size, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and my my uncle and aunt have got a Dalmatian and he is thick, like genuinely thick. Um, whereas, And it takes him a while to learn a trick. Whereas Max, I could teach him a new trick with a couple of tries. So I'd say he's relatively intelligent. OK, I mean, think, thinking back, when, when I was young and reading about such things, um, scientists had pretty way, sort of odd views about animals. I remember particularly reading an article which said, I mean, this would be you know, a long time ago, um, but they sort of th- were quite convinced that, for example, cats couldn't see in colour, that mm. cats could only see in black and white. And that the reasoning for this was simply that, obviously, cats' brains weren't particularly large in comparison with the human brain. So therefore, they couldn't do all the same things that we could do. And so therefore, they, they, 
they couldn't see in, in uh, colour. Now, this is complete nonsense, and we know now certainly they can see in colour, or at least all the evidence would suggest that. But we've also found out they can see in infrared, wow. which means they can see in the dark. And obviously, if you think about what a cat does and what a, instinctively it goes out at night time and wants to go around hunting little animals and things like that, obviously being able to see in the dark, as long as along with its sense of smell and the, its ability to hear, and um, you know, tw- the cats twist their ears so they can sort of um, find out where the sound is coming from. So yeah. those are all sort of things you'd expect would be quite useful as an animal of prey. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that one of the things is that in, in saying that, you know, like computers are getting better and cleverer and they're like a, they're getting the equivalent of a, a dog, um, it's at a time when also we're discovering that dogs are actually far more intelligent perhaps than we, we thought they were before or some people thought. So I think uh, obviously your experience very much day to day with a dog um, is a good indication of how clever they are or otherwise. And it sounds like, yes, Max, probably sounds pretty pretty clever, really. Yeah, he's pretty engaged and he... he um spaniels are traditionally fetching dogs in hunting so if you were to shoot a pheasant or whatever they'd go and fetch it so he's really very sense orientated so you can hide treats around the house and tell him to go and find it and he'll go and find it and he'll be very happy doing that so I think I think yeah I think there's definitely a level of intelligence and you have to remember what the dogs were bred for um, and that will depend on their skill set as well Um, but I mean I'm not a dog expert um, if anyone listening is, it'd be really interesting to get their take on it as well. If anybody wants to get in touch, I think that would be really cool because, again, it's something I don't know masses about. But, um, yeah, if anyone particular is listening. Well, to, to some extent, I wanted to talk to you about this because you're not necessarily an expert other than from sort of very practical point of view of having lived with a dog for 10 years, I think you said, didn't you? Yes. Um, and so you, you kind of I've grown, up, dogs all grown my up with life. them as well, haven't you? Yeah, I had – I was born – my parents owned dogs before I was born, and then I was born into a family with dogs. So I grew up with a black lab and a collie until I was about eight. And then we had a gap, a large gap with no dogs, and that was quite miserable. And I'd walk past every dog and just go to my parents, please, please, can we get another one, please? Um, mm. And then they finally cracked, and we got Max. And yeah, we, he's still going strong. <laughs> So to some extent, you you grew up in a family which you expected there to be a dog because there always was. (laughs) Yes, everyone in my family owns a dog, um, I think, now. There was a few latecomers to the party, but I think now nearly every member of my extended family owns a dog. Okay, so um, moving moving on a little bit on this. Now, the the thing is with, um, obviously, this artificial intelligence, the the comparison is um, made with a dog I said a two-year-old dog, but also with a toddler, a human toddler, which again would be probably about two-year-olds. Um, and I question whether that's right, because I suspect a two-year-old um, child has got a lot more things going for it and is more intelligent than a dog, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and certainly that's in sort of recognition. Now, there's also a, an artificial intelligence sort of standard it's become. If you're building a new computer system, you say, oh, you know, we've got this new shiny, fantastic computer system. How do we test it? And one way of testing it is to do um, experiments where you, you basically feed lots of information into it and then you ask questions about that information. And one of those is with pictures of animals. And so basically you get your new computer and you show it um, photos of four-legged animals, shall we say. 
um, including dogs, including cats and sheep and goats and giraffes and elephants, anything you like. And you tell the computer each time, this one is a dog, this one is not a dog. So the only choice it has is, is this a dog or isn't it? Right. And then you basically feed a whole bunch more pictures, which it hasn't seen before, and you ask it to decide whether uh, it's a dog or it isn't a dog. Okay. And they've found that this is really very, very difficult for the computer systems. They they really can't get it right. Um, they, they get, you know, maybe 70% right, but that's sort of a bit random anyway. You'd probably do that. We're talking thousands of pictures. Um, but you get funny ones where obviously they see a goat and decide that it's a dog. <laughs> and you can, kind of, you can kind of get that and think, well, maybe that's you know, a bit more difficult. But when it's a giraffe, and something like that you you just laugh at it and say well how on earth couldn't they recognize it's a giraffe or it's not a dog but if you think about it a photo is obviously a um uh, it doesn't really show you the size of the animal unless the giraffe's standing by a human or something like that yeah uh, so you can see this and now i suspect that your two-year-old child would be very familiar with all these animals because the very first things we give them are picture books with animals or probably uh, even by a two-year-old, they may have been to a zoo or something and they've obviously seen dogs and cats and other animals around, squirrels, I'm sure. Um, and so this is it. So that sort of thing, a recognition where you see a photo or a picture or an image of something and recognise what it is, is quite tricky. Now, obviously, with dogs, I mean, I... Um, don't know much about them but I do know there's an awful lot of different types and sizes and colors and so on and certainly in my local park at any one time there might be a dozen or more people walking around with dogs and very few of them will be the same as each other um, yeah. and um, so of course although I know they are dogs I wouldn't necessarily um, recognize what I wouldn't know what breeds they are I don't know anything like that at all so there you go um, so that's one of those tests and um, the the thing is then there's another another university thing I, I see all these things I get all these newsletters about sort of things going on and so on and every now and then I jump on something and say gosh that's interesting <laughs> there's this um, university uh, experiment I suppose and I'll tell you what it was called because it's very interesting um, it was called how do dogs recognize other dogs are dogs okay yeah. Yeah. So obviously the question is, you know, you've got your dog, whatever type it is, and you it, go in the park and it sees another dog, which is completely different to itself. It's much smaller. It's much larger. It's got spots on it or it's a, you know, a different color and all the rest of it. And from across the field, it must be only using its vision sense, probably. So it looks and says, oh, that's another dog. I want to go over and, and see it. Now, once it goes over, it probably obviously smells. And, and that's the way we know that they obviously um, can tell that it's a dog and probably it's got a sort of I was going to say it's name. It's a sort of smell name, if that's a logical thing <laughs> yeah. to say. You know, and so once they've met a dog and smelt it, they probably remember it in the same way we remember a face. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, but so the obvious thing was that the the dogs don't recognise that it's a dog by its sight alone. They have other senses, and that's where, of course, they're much cleverer than than we are, and certainly way more clever than a computer because we haven't really managed to add sense of smell to computers yet. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, like you said, artificial intelligence has a long way to come, but it's also come a long way to begin with. And I think it's always going to be really hard for a computer to replicate any sort of brain because it takes in so many different functions, like you said, smell, sight, touch, feel, every, like, and, and all your five senses. That's something a computer is lacking, um, and that's a massive determinant factor in how 
dogs recognize and how we recognize other things um and i think whether a dog can remember a smell i think that i think that's bound to be there's bound to be some truth behind that i mean with male dogs there's scent marking you know they they all pee on the same tree um Mm. and they'll probably go oh that's probably barry from round the corner you know he's always going here I imagine that's what I think um and I think they can see other dogs you know um I don't know if they in because you don't know a dog's thought pattern and you don't know what language they're speaking in their brains whether it is even like do you know what I mean whether it's audible in their head um but I imagine it's probably oh there's a big thing running towards me oh that's a that's a that's my mate you know or you know, because my, my dog will go walking with my friend. I'll go walking with my friends and they have dogs and therefore they're like friends. You know, they know each other. They'll play with each other um, and they know each other. You know, there's no like, oh, who are you? Or I don't know. It's it's really it's it's interesting. I'd, I'd like to know more about it. Um, but I think they can. I think they can recognize other dogs via sight. But it's whether it's so distinctively going. That's another dog is a different question. Yeah, I, th- I think obviously, I mean, we all do it too when we're, um, you know, we're using our sense of um, sight, probably hearing as well, because if it's barking, that may be one thing. Uh, also, um, we, we don't use the smell so much because we, we probably can't distinguish between individual dogs by smell. At least I don't think many people can. <laughs> no, you might um, be able to distinguish between different households. But, well, um, exactly. Sure we, use, would... we use other things which tell us the answer, as you say, yes. Because we would probably know who the humans are in some cases, or at least we we would recognise them. And certainly, like my local park, I mean, people go walking there. I always joke about the dog walking clubs because it seems to be the cer- certain times, like in the morning, it's after sort of dropping off children at school, the mums go and walk the dog. So they're all pretty much there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's one of those things which is... <laughs> I'm trying to get around, around this because I'm interested in the idea of obviously intelligence uh, which again isn't really defined as such but it's also that obviously it seems to me very obvious that most animals including quite small animals um, you know do obviously exhibit quite a lot of um, things you, you regard as intelligence and that's about learning about things and also you know like for example I don't know if a cat climbs up a particular tree and gets stuck it remembers that and doesn't go and do that one again. It may go to another tree and do the same thing again. I was going to say, are you sure? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I've seen examples of that and I, I got the impression they don't do that too often. And uh, I mean, I know a cat, uh, a local cat here, climbed on our roof of our house just oh, happily gosh. and jumped up from the fence up onto the sort of lower part of the roof and then onto the higher part of the roof and suddenly found itself sitting on the apex of the roof of the house. Um, and it suddenly looked down and thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can't get down. So we sort of encourage it to come towards us a bit and so on. And it basically did get its way down, but it, it stepped very, 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 very carefully, one step at a time. And I thought it, it's almost certainly learnt that. And I've seen that same cat again. I've never seen it go anywhere near the roof. So well, I, I would sort of assume that it, it perhaps did learn a lesson then, or perhaps well, it remembers that. Well, Max got hit by a car when we first got him. And... His his road sense hasn't improved much, to be honest. For a dog that's been hit by a car, he's not he's not very road safe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, actually, now we have foxes here. I'm sure you do as well. But we have lots of foxes now, and they they're so bold. They walk around in daylight all over the place. Yeah. And I have noticed this as one, or it may be in 
there may be more than one around here that literally always walk on the pavement <laughs> and that's quite cool i've noticed that and at night time i've seen them walk on the road when they, they obviously have worked out there's fewer cars or they expect there will be but during the daytime they're very careful to walk on the pavement and you know that must be a, some sort of learning is that another one saying oh watch out don't go on those big wide spaces in the middle there because they, these things come along and you might hurt you yeah, when I was a kid, I was used to wonder, uh, this is going to sound quite abstract, um, but like what kind of conversations animals have when they go back to their families or whatever, if they're pack-based animals, I suppose. And, you know, I always had this vision that a, a fox or a hedgehog or whatever would come back to the family and go, look, lads, it's it's pretty hairy out there. Don't go near that M1. That is, you're not going to make it, you know, or, or there's a dog on that street I'd stay well clear <laughs> and I just like to think that these animals were having these detailed discussions I think I was heavily influenced by fantastic Mr Fox <laughs> yeah well I think mentioning hedgehogs of course I mean they are obviously the animals that don't have the intelligence or don't have the ability to pass on that information because unfortunately the only time I ever see them around here these days is splattered on the middle of the road oh I know it's so sad it is and you would think that they sort of learn somehow or, or whatever. I suppose the ones that get run over don't have the chance to go and tell the others don't do it. Yeah, exactly. It's too late by then. So, um, right. Well, I mean, the only pets we've had in recent years, my daughter really wanted some pet and we had um, two gerbils for a while and they, they don't live very long. They lived about three, a bit more than three years. Right. Which is a bit sad. But during that time they were here, they were very amazingly intelligent by my measuring because i noticed things like the, the degree to which you know they saw us coming towards them and immediately thought obviously food yeah. um, and often that would be the case but sometimes it wasn't we just sort of sat there and sort of looked at them and played with them and encouraged them to run around that sort of thing um, but they definitely could distinguish between types of food and they went completely absolutely mad if they saw a strawberry coming towards them oh that's so sweet but I mean, that was like across the room. And of course, they're very small creatures. And so for them, the distance across our room of sort of 10, 12 feet yeah. would be like miles for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know, I feel like you can underestimate the power of animals, I think, in the broadest sense, because I think our point of reference is obviously ourselves and in the in light of this conversation, artificial intelligence. And I don't. I think lots of different animals are obviously they evolve and develop to fit their th their surroundings and their capabilities and I think if you compared our sense of smell to a dog's then we'd be on the back foot they'd be winning on that front and if you probably compared the speed of a gerbil compared to ours then they would win on that or you know being able to be you know, the way they spread their surface area if they're dropped from a height, you know, because if they got picked up by birds and dropped, they can deal with that. They can spread their surface area and can actually manage being dropped from a relatively high height, whereas we just crumble into a bag of bones. So I think the, the parameters for which you measure intelligence and capabilities very much depends on what your, yeah, like I said, what you're needing it for, what you're needing this intelligence for, I suppose. I'm sure someone of, of your age is used to the um, YouTube sort of videos. And I don't know if you've seen any of the squirrel videos, but there's been several people and it's got 
one of these things where people do a bigger and bigger and bigger a version of it. Yeah. Um, somebody built a sort of huge obstacle course for squirrels. <laughs> yeah, I have seen those. Yeah. And, um, you know, the squirrels are incredibly intelligent. Um, obviously, they can climb across ropes and up and down ladders and all sorts of things. And they have to pull a string before the nuts fall out of the, the thing at the end of it. And they know they're going to get a reward at the end of it. Yeah. But, but once they've learned that, they, they recognise that when you rebuild it differently and that sort of thing. Yeah. But the, the amazing thing was that they, um, they go along and perhaps do fall off somewhere along the line and the next time they try it and they do try it again straight away they get past whatever it was that made them fall off before and very very quickly they learn and remember everything how to get across the whole thing and i mean several sort of americans who built entire huge gardens full of things with you know 50 or 60 different things to sort of trap them on the way yeah but they still managed to get to the end and, and grab the the uh, food at the end it's amazing i mean squirrels are persistent aren't they they really are and i mean to think that people were making those courses pre-lockdown that sounds like quite a good lockdown task actually you're right that was quite squirrel. a good one wouldn't it yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah i know well squirrels around here are a bit of annoying but we've got bird feeders and we've tried every sort of variety of bird feeder that the squirrels can't get into or, or supposedly can't get into yeah and they very quickly find a way of doing it my um i looked after i homeschooled my cousin for the first part of 2021 and they get squirrels in their garden and they've got a load of bird feeders and my cousin's quite adamant that he doesn't want the squirrels on the bird feeders and quite rightly so and I was um I don't know teaching him phonics or something and he just suddenly goes starts screaming and shouting and like banging at the window and I was like oh my gosh what is it what what is it what's going on and he was like oh it's just a squirrel just got to scare it away and I was like oh forget the squirrel you scared the living daylights out of me (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, so, I mean, coming back to dogs, though, I mean, the other thing I think we, I went to a talk by uh, you know Professor Alice Roberts, who you may know is very on every other television program sometimes, um, and she did a talk and she, basically promoting a book um, she'd written about um, dogs. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all about dogs, but it was about various the relationship between humans and various animals. And dogs was one of the ones particularly she, she obviously mentioned, because um, as far as we can find out, dogs have been sort of domesticated or tamed or whatever it is um, with uh, humans for a very, very long time, much, much more than other animals, including cats. Yeah. And so therefore, the sort of um, working together and so on uh, with, with dogs has been something that's been a feature of the lives of both them and humans for i think they reckon 10 15,000 years at least yeah that doesn't surprise me and the the theory is that somewhere there was sort of a human settlement where they were obviously cooking food and so a nice smell was wafting away from the, the place and wolves would basically hang around there thinking they might get some tidbits and some of them got more and more sort of um more and more sort of able to wander closer and closer and a bit sort of brave and, and sometimes some went to as far as going as far as where it was being cooked and then basically were given a little t- bit to eat yeah i think that's why um not to get too sentimental but i think that's why you know they're considered man's best friend and i think the bond you build with a dog is quite unique in the fact that it really is one of trust and love and you know, it's the same thing that you kind of look for in a broad sense in a relationship. It's how you build relationships, right? You prove to the dog or the person or whatever that you're trusting, that you're reliable, that you care, that you're... And to think that those... It's just, a, I think it's a fundamental breakdown of how a relationship should be. You know, they to think that you could take something wild and untamed and tame it just through 
acts of kindness because that is what it is if you're kind to a dog it will slowly start to trust you and then it latches onto you and then you've got a companion for life and I just think that's really I think that's really amazing that you can build that sort of bond with another species I just think it's really cool well I, I was thinking of course um, one of the things which um, that happens which is brilliant and there's a training place near me where they train um, dogs for the blind people yeah and of course people who are blind or partially sighted and have a dog to help them um, that relationship is fantastic and the dog clearly does understand what it is doing in the sense it understands this human has a, a difficulty and can't see in the way that it can or or can't move whether it understands they can't see i don't know perhaps that's pushing it a little bit far yeah. but, but you talk rec- about canine intelligence i think that's a prime example yes hmm. i think it probably is um and of course that takes quite a lot of training but it is exactly as you say it's obviously uh, building the the basic training and then they actually work with the person they're going to be living with I think with everything it's consistency and it's repetition and I think if you showed a two-year-old if you go very back to your beginning point if you show a two-year-old a picture of a giraffe but I've stated previously that a dog is anything with four legs and a head and ears then they're going to be like oh yeah that giraffe's a dog but the thing is what we continually do when we teach people is we go we reinforce it and go no that's not a dog that's a giraffe that's a giraffe that's a giraffe and you say it again and again and again and it reinforces and then they learn that no that is not a dog that is a giraffe and it's the same when you train a dog you know max knows the command sit because he's made to do it every day and so he can do that at a drop of a hat so i think if you look at if you took a a two-year-old who hadn't been um you know like permanently influenced by parents and constantly had life lessons reinforced which is what we do naturally right then I think maybe a dog and a, and a and a new, like I'm talking like one, nearly two toddler, you know, they might have the same mental capacity. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Well, I think it's the other thing that, that the, the idea obviously with, with computer systems is you have to really do the same thing as you do with humans. We grow up and we learn as we go along and we make mistakes and we, we learn new things. We learn to speak and we learn to um, recognize things yeah. but you have to do it over a period of time now with a computer yeah. you theoretically can treat sort of um, teach it faster but that's the only real difference and i think what they were trying to do is jump straight to a sort of fully formed um, intelligent computer without realizing you would have to go through the same sort of process to get there yeah then maybe the machines are more like humans than we give credit for well, then, of course, the scary bit is that they'll all teach each other and they'll they'll leap ahead and further and further ahead. And one day they'll be cleverer than us. That's the, the issue, which is probably the subject for a whole discussion. Yeah, actually, hopefully not in my lifetime. <laughs> well, I have to say that the predictions are probably that it will be in your lifetime. Towards the end. Hopefully when not I necessarily. Guard, I mean, yeah. they're talking about 20 <laughs> to 30 years from now, perhaps. Oh, crikey. Let's hope they don't put me out of a job. Well, yes, that's pro- well. That's we got to choose a job. You see, that requires a, a human touch. Yes, well, radio. That's. I think that's a safe bet, isn't it? You I don't, don't want know. everything sounding like Siri. Yes, I suppose that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Well, of course, um, yes. It'd be interesting. They haven't generated computerized radio shows just yet, but although some people do sound a little bit like that. <laughs> well, I mean, in a, in a sense that they do, because, you know, you can schedule a show and, and line it up so that the system just plays song after song, and then, you you know, if you've got beds put in and stuff, you can just play them. Um, and it doesn't really need to be a person in the studio at all to have a fully, a fully outgoing 
program, which is so when you think about it, it is it's being done. Oh, I'm shocked. No one would do things like that, surely. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> yeah, okay. Look, Anna, this has been really interesting actually. Um did did you find that interesting? I think that I wanted to try and find something to talk about which was really a bit sort of abstract and so on, but would was something where we could um explore it quite well. I think you you've actually hit it on the head. We're both very intelligent people, obviously, or you are obviously obviously obviously. no i mean yeah it's interesting yeah the next show we'll try and do it with max shall we yeah i mean yeah good luck with that just (laughs) getting him to sit still will be the first challenge Uh, and there'll be a lot of just um this on the mic yes i'm not sure i'm not sure how much you want that woof woof um i think the (laughs) i'd like to end actually that there was an april fool joke a few years ago which i thought was really really brilliant and really sort of um in this patch we've been talking about and it was done by google and they basically announced that they had um, extended the google translate pro- uh, program so it now could deal with dog oh, okay wow. so you, you'd now be able to have a conversation with your dog but it had lots of interesting bits in the the thing saying obviously you have to realize that dog's um, vocabulary might be a bit limited compared with yours so you can only talk about certain things you can obviously Squirrel. talk about food and walks and all those things and what the park's like but you couldn't obviously talk about abstract things Have you seen it, very, it had it really all seriously sort of laid out like that it was, it was really very impressive it didn't fool me but you know i did probably start thinking ooh, because when we invent that program it'll be called the Doolittle program won't it <laughs> I mean, it just reminds me of the film Up, where they've got the dog in it, just every so often just goes, squirrel. Yes, I thought about that when we were talking about squirrels earlier. Funny enough, that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I imagine Max thinks. He just goes, do, 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 do. everything's nice, everything's nice. Oh, squirrel. And then he goes, oh, food. Oh, this is nice, this is nice. I'll have a sleep. This is nice, this is nice. Squirrel. I think, uh, I think that's it. That's it. That's all that goes through his head. Right. And on that note. <laughs> and on that note. Well, thank you very much, Honor. It's been a lovely to talk to you again. And, um, and um, right, well, this, you've been listening to the Generation Gap show here on Radio Verulam, uh, 92.6 FM. And obviously, it's also a podcast. You can uh, find that on radioverulam.com, our website, where you will find, I think, now nearly 2,000 podcasts, including these Generation Gap ones. So um, go to your usual podcast provider and that's where you'll find it so thanks very much and hope you uh, join us again soon thank you